Hi, everybody. This is the Get Control of Your Numbers and Make More Money workshop. And it's by me. I'm John from Smallfish Business Coaching, and I'm a business coach for tradies and builders. The job of this presentation is to help you shift how you understand and manage the numbers in your business, specifically so you make more money. Uh, that's really what this is all about, isn't it? Make no mistake, it's important that your business is profitable so it can keep going, so it can sustain both you and your family and the families of your employees as well. So you've got a responsibility, right, to them and to yourself to operate profitably. And that means getting your numbers right. And I'll probably make that point about profitability <clears throat> many times. Right? Lots of people feel like they shouldn't make too much profit and that it's greedy. Right? I'm not talking about being greedy. I'm talking about running a sustainable and fair business. So who's this, who's this webinar for? Obviously, it's for me because I'm doing it. It's for business owners, trades business owners and builders who want to make fair and reasonable profits and want to grow their businesses sustainably. And I know that was repetitive. It was deliberate. Right? It's for you if you want to make a fair profit. Right? I talk about structure and systems in your business. <clears throat> and they're all important. Right? I'll talk about them more in a minute. They are important, but none of the others will help you very much if you don't make any money. Right? That's a quick trip to being pissed off. So it's for you if you want to make a fair profit. And it's for you if you want to get your numbers right, if you want to understand what your numbers are and understand how to use them to make sure you're profitable. Now, as a business coach for traders and builders, I talk about building this structure and systems into your business, like I just said, so it can grow properly, profitably, sustainably, and without extracting too big a toll on you, which if you're not profitable, it can do very quickly. So slide five, it's for you if you want to build structure and systems into your business as well. <clears throat> okay. Ultimately, this workshop's for you if you want to make more money, right? That's a large part of my job. My job is to help people make more money. And, and it, you know, it's kind of a necessary part of business coaching, okay? And the last thing, it's for you if you're sick of working hard and basically making a wage or maybe a modest profit. And if you're sick of carrying all the risk and all the stress of running a business and not really seeing the benefits in the form of profits, Right? If you feel like your business could and should be making more money than it is, then this is for you, right? Pick up your ears and listen and pay close attention. And interestingly, I just had a phone call from someone who watched this, this webinar last week. And he said, your joke made me laugh out loud, John. So if you spot my joke and you think it's funny like Isaac did, let me know. It's not yet. comes in a minute. So what we're going to cover is these five things, Okay. I'm going to show you as, as much useful content as I can in, you know, an hour or so. And at the end, I'm going to show you where you can go to get some more help if you want to. But what I'm going to show you is how to understand your costs, how to understand them so you can make sure you cover them when you price up your jobs, right? And so you can confidently defend your prices when you question instead of not really being sure. I'm going to talk to you about how to get your pricing right, not charging what you think you have to charge because that's all that people will pay or your market will pay, but charging enough to run a healthy business, like I keep saying. I'm going to talk to you about how to be clear on what price is fair and how you compare to other businesses so you're confident when you're selling and when you're explaining or defending your quotes. And so you don't get caught out when they say you're too expensive, which they pretty much always do, right? It's a standard line, isn't it? Oh, you're too expensive. Right, I'm going to talk to you about how to know if you're profitable, how to understand your profitability. Right? How to know if your business is profitable, your jobs are profitable, and if your people are. So you know 
and you're not guessing. And I'll talk to you about how to bed the systems into your business so you're not doing this shit by hand when I hassle you or so you're not doing it at all, right? I meet people all the time who finish your job and kind of move on to the next one, right? I'm going to show you how to bed it in so you always know. And I'm going to show you what to do with the knowledge, right? How to change the other systems and structures in your business based on this new wonderful knowledge that you've got so you get more profitable and so you stay more profitable, right? So that's today. Right? If you do what I say today, you'll make more money. And here's a target for you. This is a benchmark I'm going to throw out there. You should be making a net profit of 10% after everybody's salary, including yours. Right? This is my job to help you make more money. I talk about structure and I talk about systems and they're very important. <clears throat> but money's the main focus of this presentation, right? In the business coaching, we talk about the structure and the systems and they're they help you make the money and make it more sustainable. Today is about understanding the money part. If you're making money, you can do lots of other things, can't you? You can pay people to do the work. You can invest in your business. You can hire a business coach. You can free yourself up to have more time to yourself instead of just slogging through the work. So the money's important, right? If you make more money and you do these things I'm going to talk about today, you'll see the peace and the enjoyment that comes from running a profitable and sustainable business. And you'll feel the satisfaction of getting fairly rewarded for your hard work instead of working really hard and doing good work, but only really doing okay. All right, a quick moment about me. I'm not sure how interested you are in me. I'm Johnny. I'm a business coach for tradies and builders. I sell a business coaching program called the Tradies Toolbox Coaching Program because, you know, I'm very witty. I think that's funny. Its job and my job is to help you put the systems and the structure into your business so you can grow it properly, profitably, without too much stress, without working 90-hour weeks, and with people in their roles doing a good job, enjoying their work as well. I'm not promising instant riches or a quick fix. Coaching's a process. Hard work's involved. And neither am I talking about getting quickly to 20 million. Right? I coach people to get from small, you know, you're half a million or thereabouts, maybe more if you're a builder, to bigger, one and two and three and five million dollars turnover. Right? That's, that's, you'll, you'll grow out of me before you get to 20 million. I hope you will anyway. Now, this workshop, knowing and controlling the numbers of your business, is part of the systems and the structure in my coaching program. It's an important part, right? Without knowing your numbers, you're driving blind like Stevie Wonder. Right? And the rest of the framework goes like this. So this is a little bit of context for you. Okay. I will help you build a marketing machine that finds the work in a steady flow. I'll help you build a sales machine that wins the work predictably at good margins with a focus on value and on relationships, not just on price. Right? And that's a big crime that many tradies commit is just focusing on price. I'll help you build an operations machine that does the work on time, on budget, not by you, to standard and not requiring so much supervision and assistance from you. And I'll help you build a back office machine. That's all the admin and manage the compliance. And of course, the money, right? This is where the numbers fit. The money fits in the back office machine. So I'll help you build a back office machine that glues everything together. And the last two, whoopsie, back, come back, Steve. Right, I'll help you look after yourself and manage you so you perform properly. And I'll help you manage your team so they do as well. Now, I'm not going to talk about all the rest of it anymore. I'm going to show you how to find out more about my program at the end of the workshop. And I, of course, will invite you to explore it further. But I'll just say this. Business coaching and the stuff I'll explain today is not a magic path to easy success. It works if you do the work. I stand by that. But you need to do the work. 
you need to make the time, you need to embrace the change. So it can be scary too, right? It's for brave, ambitious business owners who want to grow and scale, who want to get to two or three or five million in size profitably and have people doing their jobs, empowered, enthusiastic, taking ownership. In this workshop, I'll show you how you can understand your numbers better and use them to make your business more profitable. And I'll show you how you can systematize it so you can always do this. But you still have to go and do all the work, don't you? It's one thing to learn something. You don't get the benefit until you go home and take some action, right? until you keep taking action. So understand that. Remember that. Before we get stuck in, and I'm nearly there, let me ask you a few questions to get you in the mood. Your answers to these will show you if you're experiencing the consequences of not being properly in control of your numbers. Could this be you? Does it sometimes feel like you work hard? There's lots, getting work, lots of work getting done. Maybe you're busy and you're working hard, but you're not get, really getting ahead. You're stuck on the hamster wheel. That could be because you don't understand your money properly. You're not on top of your numbers. Could it be that you run a good business? You do work, you're proud of, certainly, and you work hard, but you're really only making a wage. How about this? You want to grow. You feel like you can grow or you should be able to, but you kind of can't. Well, you don't know how, or you don't know where to start. You can't just work harder, but there's not enough money to be hiring loads more people either. It's a bit frustrating. You get questions like this from your customers. Can you do it for this much? I've had another quote for this much, and you don't really know whether to believe them or how to respond. Should you drop your price? Will you still make any money if you do, right? That's important, isn't it, to know? Sometimes I ask people, when you quote a job, how much margin do you expect to make? And they tell me, right? They know how much margin they think they've got in a quote. 15, 20, 25, 30, 40%. And I say, and do you check that you ended up there at the end of the job? And they say, no, I don't have time or piss off John or no, I don't have the systems in place or sometimes I just move on. Does that sound like it might be you? Do you have your accounting system set up so you can see every month whether your business is making that percentage gross margin or not? Because it should be, right? If you think you're making 30% on jobs, you should see it in your zero or your MYOB every month and if you don't have that set up do you feel it's okay maybe if there's money in the bank and that's your main measure and that's a, a bit of a risky thing to do i think so the main one right do you feel sometimes that you're missing something that you could grow and make more money and be more successful and have more money and all that if only you knew what to do do you feel that not being on top of your numbers is holding you back is there a missing piece to your jigsaw puzzle now i said this before i'll say it again you should make a net profit of 10% of the total revenue of your business after you get paid a fair wage for the work you do. In fact, after everyone gets paid fairly for the work they do. Do you make that? It's reasonable, right? You should. Okay. <clears throat> These things you're experiencing are not your fault. You might be experiencing some of them or all of them, but they're not your fault. They're symptoms of a different problem or a set of problems. They aren't the problem. You don't feel lacking in confidence on your price because that's how it's always been. And you don't have skinny margins because you can't charge more than that in my market, which is things people have said to me. Right? These frustrations you have are symptoms of not having set your business up properly yet, right? of not having got on top of your numbers properly. And I stand by this, right? This is a part of the journey. It's not your fault. It's normal. It's part of the journey of starting and growing a trade business. Okay? You start out on your own, don't you? Finding and winning work through your relationships, building a local reputation through your good work. And the numbers aren't so important at first. The only cost is you, really, and some tools and your vehicle and things. So finding work and doing it well is your main focus. 
And then as you grow a bit, you take on more tradespeople, maybe some apprentices, and the strain starts to show. You're working hard. There's lots to do. Right? You're doing work. You're doing quoting. You're doing admin. You're doing invoicing. And you're starting to reach the limit of what you can do without putting the systems and structure in place so you can grow properly. And also, when you're paying other people to do the work, not doing it yourself, those numbers become more important. Those margins become more important. So getting your numbers right is one part of the systems, of that structure. You need to put them in place for your whole business, don't you? Remember, for the marketing to find the work in a flow, for the sales to win it and protect the margins, for the operations so the work gets done on time and on budget and not by you, for your back office so it all runs smoothly and for your people. You say you perform well, them so they do. But the numbers are what we're on today. See, that was my slide for that. The numbers are what we're focusing on today. The numbers are important. They're part of the structure. They help you know if your other systems are working properly. If you get on top of your numbers, this is probably what we're going to talk about. Well, this is what we're going to talk about today, right? You'll know your margins properly going into a job, and you'll know how much you can afford to discount if you get pressure. And importantly, you'll know when to say no. You'll know where you sit compared to your competition, right? So you'll have some power and confidence in sales and price negotiations. You'll measure coming out of jobs. That's very important. And you'll know how profitable every job was. Importantly, you'll know what went wrong if jobs aren't profitable enough, and you'll be able to go and fix it up. You'll have systems for your numbers too, right? So this knowledge about your business comes to you automatically, not kind of by hand when somebody like me asks you the questions, but on every job, on every tradesperson, every week and every month. You make more money if you start with better margins in the first place, and you measure and protect them right through your business. You'll make more profit at the end of the day. So not just a wage, but a wage plus 10%, right? That's our goal. And you don't have to do it yourself. And you can break through the barrier. If you get your numbers right, if you get them under control and you use them properly, you can break through from where you are now to a bigger business with more money. Okay. And the last one, this stuff works, right? The big boys do it. You can do it too. I started Small Fish after a career in it and I was working with Optus at my last job, managing relationships with big companies, A&P and IBM, people like that. And I saw, right, that the big companies spend a lot of money teaching people like me how to do business better. They, I got taught sales, I got taught marketing, I got taught leadership, I got taught numbers, I got taught strategy and coaching, and I saw all my small business mates winging it, basically. So I focused on traders and builders on the advice of my business coach. He's called Taki Moore. He's a business coach for business coaches because I saw how frustrated my trading mates were. Okay, my job's to help you make more money. The systems are for money. The money helps you look after your business. It helps you hire people as you grow instead of trying to do everything yourself. It helps you pay people well and support their lives. It helps you pay your suppliers on time and have money to pay for everything instead of that cash scramble. So I hope I've persuaded you that you should do this. Pay attention to the workshop and go back and do the work. That's important. I'm also half hoping that you're persuaded you should think about my coaching as well. I'm going to start now by showing you how to understand your costs properly. Most people don't, and they get a big shock when they do. Once you understand your costs, you need to build a price structure and a quoting system that prices your jobs profitably. And you need to understand how your price compares to your competition to help you with sales. But we're going to close the loop and check that profitability. And we'll talk about using what we learn to fix the other systems in your business so you get more profitable. And then we'll talk about how you can get help and who you can get help from. And of course, yeah, one of them is me. So understanding your costs. 
As a trade business, whoopsie, you have three types of cost, labor and subcontractors if you're a builder, materials and overheads. Okay, so labor is your people doing the work. Materials is your bricks and timber and cabling and what have you. And the overheads are the other things, right? The things that run the business, the vehicles, the business coach, the marketing, the workshop, the insurances, all those things, the admin people. We call labor and subcontractors and materials costs of sale or variable costs. These costs increase if you make more sales and do more jobs, right? In a direct way. If you win a job, you need to pay for tradespeople or subcontractors to do the work and buy materials to do it with. So those costs are variable. And the overheads are known as fixed costs because they don't change if you win more jobs. The rent's still the rent. I don't change price if you get more jobs. The marketing doesn't cost more. The accountant and bookkeeper won't suddenly cost more. Okay, so I hope you get the idea. Fixed and variable. They're all important, of course. And of course, it's important that your revenue or your turnover or your income or your sales, right? They're all words for the same thing. It's important that that revenue is more than your costs. I'm going to talk about your costs from the perspective relating back to your pricing, specifically your pricing on a job, okay? And I'm going to look in the closing the loop section at making sure revenues are higher. So let's start with the labor costs. That's, to my mind, the most important and primary cost in a trades business, right? So we'll talk about the costs to you of your skilled tradespeople and your less skilled laborers and apprentices and your site managers and your project managers if you have them, okay? Let me share my screen and show you this here spreadsheet. Now, this is one spreadsheet, one page from a tool called the Big Numbers Tracker that we use in our coaching. It's a tool we use to keep on top of the numbers with our clients. We use this page included as well, right? And that's if, if you don't want to do the coaching, but you'd like to get hold of this Big Numbers Tracker, you can. It's 39 bucks. Jump over to the website and follow your nose and you'll find it. Okay, we use this to calculate what I call the true cost of employment, this page. Okay, and I'm going to step you through it. We'll start with Max. He's here in column B. Max is an employee of this business. His hourly rate's 38.50. Gets paid super and he gets paid work cover because they're important and law. He gets 20 days holiday, 10 sick days, nine public holidays because he's in New, in New South Wales. If he was in Melbourne, it would be like a million, wouldn't it? And that's not the joke. Okay, he works 38 hours a week. His job efficiency is 80%. I'll come back to that. Super's 9.5. Work covers 3%. So poor old Maxi here gets paid an annual pay of 75653 He gets some super, 7187, and some work cover. So his total cost to you is 85109 Right, that's 43 bucks an hour, not 38.50. But we do need to remember that you pay Max's 38.50, 52 weeks a year, 38 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, but he gets his 20 sick days, 10, 10 sick days, 20 holidays, nine public holidays, and he only works 80% efficiently. Right, and what I mean by that is. That Max and anyone else, Max isn't particularly slow or useless, can't be working on the tools all day 
every day, right? There's 39 days that you're paying him still and he's not at work. He's on holiday or, the, you know, the place is shut. But there's also Smoko. You pay them for Smoko, don't you? That's 20 to 30 minutes a day. So that's two and a half hours a week that you pay them that they're not working. There's safety meetings and toolbox talks. They're necessary. There's training. There's going to the hardware to get something. <laughs> that's worse. The more disorganized you are, isn't it? Right, there's talking to the customers, there's taking deliveries and checking that everything's there. There's going to the toilet, talking to your girlfriend on your phone. There's driving between jobs and finding somewhere to park. Right, if Max works on a small building site, that might be all. But if he works on a big one, there's even more time, right? There's red tape, there's time queuing for lifts and things like that. Okay, And if he works as a maintenance tradie, then he's doing more driving between jobs. He might be spending time picking up keys and liaising with tenants and property managers. So there's quite a lot of time that your people spend at work, but not doing the work that you're paying them for, not charged to a job, right? And what I'm, re- relate- what I'm thinking in terms of that is that if you're quoting 40 man hours for a job, it's probably taking them more than 40. In Max's case, 50 hours because he gets he's 80% efficient, okay? So you can choose your efficiency rating there. In my opinion, 80% is a reasonable efficiency rating for site workers, carpenters, electricians, doing construction work. If you're doing maintenance trades, it's less, 70%. So you, you get the idea. Now, this brings me back to line 27, the cost per charged hour. That's taking that 80% efficiency and the holidays into account and saying, for all the time he works on a job, he's costing you 64 an hour. Okay? Now, that makes him feel a bit more expensive, doesn't it? So we'll talk more about how to price in the next section. For now, let's stick to understanding your costs. Maybe you've got some people you pay as subcontractors. And I'm not going to get talk, tangled up in whether or not that's a good idea, right? Let's stick to the costs. We've got Sally here. She's a subby. She's 45 an hour. She doesn't get super or work cover. She doesn't get paid for holidays. She's still only 80% efficient. She still has to go to the shop and has smoko and things like that. So she costs you 89000 and her total cost to you is 89000 and her cost per employed hour to you is 45 But her cost per charged hour is 56 because of that 80%. So Sally also is more expensive than you might think. I'm not going to spend ages on Steve, Dan, and Jack. Steve's an apprentice. Steve gets paid 40 days for TAFE because he's a chippy. So he's still costing you 40 an hour. And there is a little point to make, right? If you're charging you know, 40 bucks an hour or 45 an hour for your apprentices, you might be losing money on them. So don't do that. Okay. If we add in Dan and Jack, we've got this here, five-person team. And if I highlight this cost per charged hour and go across that row like that, and then I go down here to the bottom right-hand corner, I can look up the average, and the average is $60 an hour. So this team of people, despite the fact that two of them are apprentices, is costing you on average 60 bucks an hour. Okay, understand that. They're probably costing you more than you thought. So I'll leave them alone for a minute. Materials is one of your other costs, one of your other variable costs. It's kind of easy, right? They cost what they cost, don't they? You've got invoices for what you buy for a job to check against. Okay, so don't forget wastage and consumables. You still have to pay for them. Don't forget what comes out of your stock as well. But it's simple enough. Count the stuff at the cost you paid for it, and that's what your costs were. Now, having said that, overheads, 
are another thing, aren't they? If labour and materials are those costs directly related to a job, the overheads of your business are all the other costs. Your business coach, that's very important, isn't it? That's also not the joke. Okay? Your business coach, your vehicles, your insurance, your marketing, your accounting, your bookkeeping, the wages of everybody who works in the office, i.e. not on the tools, including you, right? They're all overheads. So look at this business. I have another table in my big numbers tracker, the overhead sheet. Okay? What we've done for this guy is we've added up all his, inv- his overheads. And these, these are real numbers from a real company, okay? Accounting, 4,000. Bookkeeping is 18. The business coach is 24. Two and a half for insurance, some computers, some internet and telephone, some cleaning and some rent for his office, etc. right? Some marketing, some vehicle expenses, some leases and things, and fuel and rego. An admin person, 5,000. Not quite sure what's going in there. A little VA, I think, part-time. And his wages, 100 grand. He's not on the tools, right? Total overheads, $217,000 a year. So that's 217000 before anyone does any work that he gets paid for, right? Just to keep the doors open. That's 18000 a month, four grand a week, 864 a day, and 108 per hour. If we consider that the only way for that money to come into the business is as margin on your jobs, the matter of understanding your costs becomes clearer, doesn't it? If he's doing a million dollars and his overheads are 200000 and his margin is not more than 20%, he's in some trouble, isn't he? Okay, let me go back to my slides. Right, you need to make... Let's do this. Let's do this quickly first. Okay, gross profit is the difference... Where am I? I've lost myself. You need to make enough gross profit on your jobs, right? Gross profit is the difference between your revenue, that's the price for the jobs, and those direct costs, the labor and materials. And then gross profit minus the overheads is your net profit, which is your money. Okay, did that make sense? I'll show that as a bar chart. I have another picture. So this is a little bar chart, right? There's a job. It was a $1,000 job. The labor and materials cost 700 So the gross profit is $300. And the gross margin, therefore, is 30%. Okay, and you need to make enough gross profit to cover those overheads and to turn a profit. The proper way to do this is to make a sufficient gross margin percentage on all your jobs to cover the overheads and give you a profit. Here's some targets for you. For a builder, your target should be 20 to 30% gross margin. And for the other trades, your target should be 30 to 40% gross margins. Okay, for builders, they have higher revenues and lower overheads, right? So that's where we'd like to be for those two businesses. If you're not within those ranges, make those your targets, please. As I'm sure you can tell, this is leading me into a discussion on pricing, which is our next section. But before we go there, whoopsie. Before we go there, let me quickly show you a way we can think about overheads. Okay, and I'm going to go back to my tracker. Remember this guy, $108 an hour for his overheads. But we go back to his labor costs tab. He's got five people with a $60 an hour average cost per charged hour. 
if we understand that the money, the profit is coming in as margin from these people, they've got to cover that $108, haven't we? If we divide that 108 by the five people, it's about $21 each. So you might then think that your average cost per charged hour, you can think of it as 81. It's not, of course, but you can think of it as 81. If they're not recovering you more than 81, you're going to be in some trouble, aren't you? You're going to be not making money. And I know that you still have money to make off materials. So I'm just ignoring that, right? It's just a useful way to think of how expensive your overheads are. So I'll go back to my statement. If there's one thing you should learn from this, everything's costing you more than you thought. And you need to make sure, as I've said, that you charge more than what your costs are. All right, so that was understanding your costs. I hope that helped. I kind of half hope it was a bit shocking. And that what you do something is something about it, right? It's charging enough to cover them. So we're on to the second section, pricing, how to price. Remember, you have to charge enough to cover all these costs. Your labor and tradespeople, your materials, your subcontractors, if you have them. Right? The overheads, including you, and you still have to have enough left over to cover the risks of doing business, the cock-ups, bad debts, the mistakes, bad weather, all those other things, and still have some profit, your bit, okay? Now, pricing, remember, aiming for 10% of revenue as your net profit. That's our target. So pricing is complicated and fraught, and there are a number of ways to do it, right? You can charge cost plus or do in charge, or you can provide fixed price quotes, now, this is not the time for discussion on the two. I hope from my slide, it's obvious which way I think you should price. Okay, please don't do cost plus, it's shit. Okay, the right way to price jobs is with fixed price quotes and, and variation control process. Now, there are two ways to prepare quotes. You can prepare your quotes or if you price on a cost plus basis, you can prepare your worthless estimates in two ways. And that was the joke, by the way, if you needed a clue, a clue, right? You can prepare your quotes or your worthless estimates in a couple of ways, right? You can do it by estimating the hours it's going to take your skilled tradespeople to do the job and how much materials they'll get through and then adding your chosen margin, right? That's kind of the obvious way, isn't it? It's 10 hours or 1,000 hours and it's this much material, but margin on top, boof, there's your quote. There's nothing wrong with it. It's kind of the old-fashioned way. It's kind of the long way round. It's a bit time-consuming. Right? There's, there's not really anything wrong with it except it's not a system. It needs you or someone else smart and educated to do the estimating of how long it's going to take and how much stuff you'll have to buy, right? often by going to site and having a look with your own eyes, which is even more time-consuming. So there's a better way. Right? You can prepare your quotes by having a system instead. If you've watched any of my videos, you'll know I'm a fan of systems for every part of your business. So a pricing system with rules that you follow that you can amend if you find a problem with it, right? And that perhaps someone else can run a part of. So this is the shift you need to make if you haven't already. Okay, and the anatomy of a pricing system goes something a bit like this. Okay, you need the inputs, right? Take offs from drawings, from the site visit, from any eyeballing, the measurements, that kind of thing, right? The inputs. You need a price book. I know it's not usually a book, right? It's usually a spreadsheet or something, right? You need rules for how the price book gets applied to the inputs. 
don't you? Right? You know, you need rules for how you measure the takeoffs and then how you charge the rates to it. And you need rules for how the quote gets presented to the customer and what the rules for your quotes are, what the terms and conditions are, specifically what's included and what's not included. Okay, does this make sense? Right, this works for a builder. So it could be the inputs could be architectural drawings for a house or an extension and the relevant site-specific information like the slope and the hazards and things like that. The price, it, it, it could be, and it could be very similar if you're, you know, a plumber or a fencer, right? It could be the measuring of the, uh, the ground and the slope and, and which fence is chosen, that kind of thing, right? And the price book itself could be a lot of the rates and how they get applied to those takeoffs. So I hope it makes sense. I don't think I'm saying anything too surprising or complicated to anybody. What I am saying is you should do this, okay? You can be as detailed or as granular as you want. You can be more or less detailed. I would be more detailed than a square meter rate for a house, for example. But I know electricians commonly charge, charge per point or, or you know, and per light switch and that kind of thing. And that's very doable, right? Fences can charge per meter or per panel with gates and things as extras. And it works just the same for maintenance trade. You know, I had a plumber come in to unblock my sink and he came and he said, using this device, which was a compressed air plunger or something, he said, it will cost you this much, John. Right? It was a fixed price approach, just the same way. So I hope you get the, the idea. Right? I don't want to spend ages on this. There's not time for loads of detail. Many people copy a price book from somebody else, a previous employer, a friend in the same trade, or your professional trade association, right? And that's, that's important. I'll leave it there for now. You don't need to start from scratch, although you can. Most people can grab one of these from somebody else and evolve it from there. So please do this. Please move to fixed price quoting with a pricing system and a price book. Okay, remember, the prices in your price book are made up of hours of labor and materials, can't they? You can do these calculations yourself if you like and make up your own flat rate price book items or you can use somebody else's. And if you're feeling it's risky and it'll be wrong because your business is too complicated, I'm sorry, you're mistaken, you're, not, you're, you're wrong. You can manage the risk, okay? You can manage the risk and you can manage it by amending your price book as you complete jobs and realize what mistakes are made in your price book. And you can manage the risk by noting that the price for a job doesn't necessarily have to be tied exactly to how long it takes you and how much stuff you have to buy. So you can build some fat and some risk in there as well, okay, to cover yourself. And I'll give you two examples to illustrate. Right? The obvious one, my business coaching. It's a fixed monthly fee. I spend time with people and I've spent money and time building the infrastructure and I've got staff and overheads and things like that. All my customers pay me the same. But the time I spend with people or, or other people in my organization spend with people varies. Some people want or need more time and some people want or need less time. I don't charge more. Somebody needs more time. My clients don't pay me for, them, for my time and they don't pay me for any specific costs I incurred. They pay for the value that they get. Right? They pay for the outcomes, not for the inputs. And that's important. Okay? Another story by way of illustration is a restaurant, a steak and chips restaurant, because I like steak and chips. Right? I like mine rare. My friend Patrick likes his medium. He's a bit fussy. He'll send it back for a bit more cooking. But our steaks are charged the same. No restaurant ever says, we cooked your steak for longer, Patrick, 
So it's going to be four bucks more. No one ever says you chatted to the waitress, you dirty old flirt. So we'll have to charge you a bit extra. Or you sat there for ages talking shit while you finished your wine. So we're going to have to charge you extra, right? The meal costs what it costs. And some variation on the price list, right? And some variations in those input costs are tolerated. And traders and builders can do that too, okay? You can do that too. Right, back to it. It's the end of section two. So you can and you should build a price book and use that approach, a building block approach, if you like, to preparing your quotes. And this works whatever your business, right? Whether you're maintenance trades, whether you're project trades, whether you're builders, whether you do complex projects. Now, one more thing before I moved on, move on. I've talked about understanding your costs and how to structure your pricing. Let me also point out the obvious. Right? Your pricing needs to be high enough to cover your costs, your labor and your materials and your overheads, plus some allowance for risk and some for making a profit. And you deserve to make a profit. If you charge hourly, you need to use hourly rates that have a 30% margin in them at least. If you charge rates, it's a bit more difficult. It's not easy to understand how many hours and how much materials are in a rate. The best approach for us practical people is to do a couple of things. Compare your rates to what other people are charging out there. Right? Go and ask them and do what I suggest in section three, the next one, close the loop. Okay. And before I move on to that, let me suggest that you build yourself a picture of what you charge and how good you are compared to your competition. Now, this is important for when you're selling anyway, right? But go away and assess a few of your direct competitors, the people you come up against, and understand, am I cheaper or more expensive than they are? And am I better or not as good as they are in terms of the service we provide? Get that understanding clear in your head, and that will help you be confident in your rates. Now, if you don't have a price book, so if you do have a price book, right, go and have a look at it. Ask a few other people how they price, chat to your mates. Right, We do this in my coaching. We compare notes, and, and that helps people a lot. If you don't have a price book, go and get one. Start with your professional organization. Master Builders, for example, I think has a rescue rate card. So start with your professional organization or you know your old boss or something. And remember this, if you're better than a competitor, you could be a bit more expensive. Okay. Section three, closing the loop. You need to know if your pricing system's right, don't you? If jobs are being completed profitably, you need to know that you're making money on each of your people. And you need to know that each day, week, and month is profitable. So for jobs, you should be recording the hours each person spends on which jobs, as well as the hours they spend traveling between jobs, going to the hardware shop, being trained, or having smoker. The data is important. And you should reconcile every job. What did we quote? How many hours did we think were in the quote? What did we invoice? And they should be the same unless there were variations, shouldn't they? And what ended up happening in real life? know how many hours actually got spent and what were the costs in terms of the labor and how much material actually got bought and how does that compare to what we put in the quote right, if you know how many hours were in your quote you can compare directly and if your pricing system is built on rates then you can compare the totals so you can know right if you think you've got 30 percent and you do the roll up at the end and there isn't 30 percent, something went wrong so for every job collect the hours used at your cost that average cost per hour, per employed hour that we calculated, right? And the materials used by invoice and see how much profit you're making. If it's not what you hoped, you have a problem and you can go and fix it. For your people, it's a bit similar. Remember the efficiency rating we spoke about, right? 
I reckon 80% efficient is good for somebody who works on a single site each day, like a carpenter or anyone in construction. If they drive between jobs, 70% is more realistic. And if they drive a lot because jobs are small, perhaps, then it's even less. If you ask your people to track their time, you can know what their efficiency rating is and you can figure out what to do about it. It's tricky to do, isn't it, right? You're going to have to trust them and you're going to have to ask them to trust you, not to learn what you use, no, not to use what you learn against them. Right? You have to tell them why you need this information and what you're going to do with it. You need this efficiency so you can make sure your pricing's right and so you can fix any systemic issues that are occurring. By systemic, I mean things that are going wrong and costing you money repeatedly. I'm going to talk about what they might be in the next section, but I will comment that one of my clients and I did this exercise, and one of his people was like 40% efficient. He was only out being charged to jobs for half his week because they were asking him to go and do quotes and things which went, they weren't charging for. Okay, It was a problem we uncovered that we could go and make some decisions about what to do. Okay, The last one, the time issue, days, weeks, months. Right, We want to know if you're profitable weekly and monthly, don't we? Right, There's no use waiting until the end of the year when your accountant says, lucky for you, no tax to pay. You didn't make any money. We don't want that. We want to catch this thing early. Right? You can have profitable jobs and people and still be losing money. Maybe you're spending too much. Maybe you have enormous overheads. So you do need to pressure, measure profitability weekly and monthly. We do it in our big numbers tracker. We measure the revenue, the gross profit, and the net profit every month, Right, the one you see in your accounting system. It's good to look at the trends and smooth out the lumps and bumps before we stress too much. It's good to understand what extraordinary things might have happened. Sometimes we'll see in somebody's graph, you know, why was June so terrible? And they'll say, oh, I paid cash for a vehicle. And we'll go, oh, well, that's okay. Okay. Another thing we do is we measure overheads and labor and we model materials, I'm guessing, and we create a break-even point. And then we compare each week's or month's invoicing. And then, and then we compare that to the break-even point for the week. And we've got early notice if we're not being profitable, haven't we? We're catching this early and we're going, shit, we're losing money. We can go and find the problem. So if we can explain it and it's not a problem, then we're happy. Maybe we bought all the materials for something that won't invoice for a week or two or a month or two. Then, then we're fine. But if we can't do that, we have to go looking for what's going on and fix it. So it's about being warned early that things aren't good and being able to go and fix them before they do too much damage. It's better than waiting, like I say, until the accountant says you didn't make any cash. So the final thing I'll say here is that to build your business properly, you need systems. Systems, right? You need systems that do this measuring and this loop closing. Sometimes when I'm coaching someone and margins aren't what we hope, we're going to dip in and we're going to do some measuring and figure out what's going on and we're going to make a change. And we've helped. That's good. Right? We fixed a problem or we've charged properly or changed the pricing or something. And that's great. But the job's not finished until you're getting that information regularly and consistently and the systems are built to do it for you. Right? That's the only way you can grow this business of yours sustainably. Sometimes people don't have the data, particularly timesheet data. And then we just have to guess. Right? We guess what the problems are. So really, we have to start collecting the data and build the systems in order for this to work properly for you. I'll tell a quick story, a true one. I was working with a builder. I still work with them. A father and son team. They're good builders. They do work they're proud of. They hired me because they hit a quiet patch and they didn't know how to lift themselves out of it. And they made a few jokes about them and the team spending a lot of time cleaning the shed. 
So we worked on marketing and sales, right? They assured me they made a 20% gross margin on jobs. So we focused on getting busy, but we got busy because marketing works, you know, and there was still no money. They didn't have the systems to check. So we were in a bit of a bind. We ended up having a difficult conversation. I kind of hammered them and said, look, you're losing money. You're losing money. You're losing money. We need to fix it. Right. And we needed to find out where the money was going. And remember, they were busy again, right? So finding time to go through the past jobs manually was not an easy thing for me to bully them into doing. But we did it. We dug and we dug. We found evidence that their estimator was doing a shitty job and that the job costings were wrong. So they were charging 20%, but on inaccurate and too low costings. It's fixed now. They have a new pricing system and a good estimator, right? And the margins are good and the profit is now showing in the numbers. It took a little while, but it rolled through. Right. But we did that by hand. We made a change based on skinny information and my tu- intuition based on my wider experience. We changed the price and it worked. They're now measuring all the jobs. They're closing the loop. Right? We're learning where the other holes are. Just recently, they were able to pull out $300,000 in cash money from the business. Right? So good on them. It does work. There you go. A little, that was a little story to keep you interested and show you that it works. That's a, a true story. So what should you do? Section four. What should you do with all this marvelous knowledge that you've now got from understanding your numbers properly? Now, the obvious answer, the short answer is go and fix your systems up. And I'm sure there are systems, right? Go and fix your systems up. Fix up your number system like I've been describing and you learn something about which of your other systems aren't working properly. I know that's a bit vague and probably not what you're hoping for. I will expand on it, right? Like I said, it kind of depends what you learn, though, if your jobs aren't profitable, either you're pricing incorrectly and you need to go and work on your pricing system or your tradespeople are doing something wrong. You need to find out which it is. The deeper you dig, the more apparent it becomes. Right. So you could be doing your takeoffs wrong, couldn't you? You could be not allowing enough time or materials. Maybe your estimators doing it wrong. Maybe the rates in your price book are wrong. Your subcontractors, if you have them, could be charging you more than you thought. You could be failing to charge or failing to charge properly for variations because they happen always, don't they? And if you don't charge for them, you're going to lose out. Your hourly rates could be wrong or your estimates of materials could be wrong or your meterage rates could be wrong or they could be out of date. They're probably all out of date now, aren't they, with all the prices for everything going up? Your guys and girls could be taking too long. This could be because they're not as fast as you, because they're inexperienced. It could be because they're lazy or stupid. It could be because you haven't trained them properly. Or it could be because you haven't written systems for them to follow or got them the right tools. Right? You get the idea. The solution depends on the problems you identify. If it's a pricing problem, look to your sales machine and look at your prices or your estimating process or that price book we've talked about. They could be wrong. You could need to fix them up. Think about, though, also your readiness to discount. Maybe that's where the problem lies. Maybe you're a discounter. Maybe you need to learn better sales and negotiation skills. And yes, I'll help you with that. Working on your marketing machine is important here as well. Okay, Being clear about what you do and who you do it for and why you're good and how you compare to your competition, how you're better, how you compare on price. All this is helpful when you're selling and it all helps you sell your value and therefore charge more. Right, Having better margins. Having plenty of leads also puts you in a stronger position when you're negotiating, doesn't it? If you've got plenty of leads, it's much easier to say, no, my price is fine than if you really need that job. So it helps you defend that important price we've been talking about. 
If the problem's with your people rather than your allowances or your rates, you should be looking at your operations machine, shouldn't you? Have you documented your systems and trained your people in them? Or do you just hope that your kind of tradespeople know what to do? Have you given them checklists to use so they don't forget anything? Are you using a job management system to schedule everything? Are you giving them good information and good instructions? And are you making sure the materials get there on time? Right? Or are they standing around twiddling their thumbs waiting for you to catch up? Do you need to look at how you're leading and managing them? Are they motivated? Do you have a good team of committed people? Or is there somebody you should be having a talking to or moving on? What about you? Are you making sure your people have enough work to do? Are you focused on the right work? It's not always their fault if they're not performing well. So the right thing to do is do the work on the numbers and investigate what they tell you and prioritize, not guess. Okay? Take guesses if the opportunity presents itself and they're obvious, of course, and make changes you can take back if they make things worse. We'll use the things I've learned along the way to save time. Right? We make short-term improvements, of course, and we also invest in the long-term structural solutions so you can build that sustainable business. That's important. You need to do both. Okay, section five, get the right help. You don't need to do all of this by yourself. In fact, that's actively damaging, right? Your job as the business owner is not to do everything yourself. It's a business that has these machines, right? You need to build a business, sorry. You need to build a business that has these machines, the marketing machine, the sales machine, et cetera, the ones I've been telling you about. And a machine consists of three things. Look at this lovely picture, okay? It consists of systems, technology or equipment, and people working together to create an outcome. So let's stick to our back office machine and specifically the numbers part, right? You need these functions in your back office machine, in your finances machine, and someone doing these functions, right? You need someone doing the data entry, placing orders, paying bills, doing payroll, entering stuff into your job management system and your bookkeeping system, all that kind of stuff. There's bookkeeping and reconciling, right? Checking that what the data entry person did it's correct, making sure it all works. There's financial controlling, right? There's authorizing payments, preparing reports, building the systems. So you get all the information I've been talking about. And then there's you, right? There's decisions, making decisions. And that's your job, the leader, okay? And the managing director, whatever you call yourself. And of course, your business coach, right? You need to decide what to do with what you learn. And, and that's usually you and me. Okay, I'll work with you to help you set this up, of course and make those important decisions. But I'm not the only help you can get, right? And this is, these are the bits of help or the people you can get to help you do each of those functions in your back office machine. Okay, so for the data entry, you can do that in-house with people who work for you. You can get a virtual assistant and have someone overseas do it for you. And you can get a bookkeeper to help you, right? And which choice you make will depend on your position, right? How big you are, how much money you've got to spend, how much work there is to do. Right. For the bookkeeping, you can get help from the obvious the bookkeeper. You can have people in-house doing most of the work. Some people have in-house bookkeeping work. You don't have to have external people. Some bookkeepers will act like a financial controller as well, but you can have that person in-house if you've got the expertise in-house. Some accountants will act like a financial controller, though most of them focus on tax. You can get CFO or financial controller consultants. And the decisions should be made by you, perhaps with the help of a business coach like me. Okay. You shouldn't be, you're the person to make the decisions with the information you get. So the help you can get is, you know, you, 
people in-house, VAs, bookkeepers, and consultants. I would suggest that you start with the people around you and see if they've got the skills, including yourself. I will say you shouldn't be doing the grunt work because your time's better spent elsewhere. But you can get involved in setting up the systems and then hand it off as your business grows. Don't forget me. I can help you. If you work with me, if you join the Tradies Toolbox Coaching Program, I'll guide you through this process. I'll work with you to understand your numbers. We'll do that together. We use my framework, my big numbers tracker, to decide what to do about what we learn. My job, as I've said, is to help you make more money. Okay, Money's important for your business. It's its lifeblood. We're going to use the numbers if we work together to figure out what's working, what's not. We'll build the systems and the structures in your business so you can grow it properly. Now, today I promised to show you how to get control of your numbers and make more money. I showed you how to understand your costs so you can make sure you cover them when you price jobs and defend your prices when challenged because they're fair, right? I showed you how to get your pricing right so it's enough to run a healthy business, right? To cover your costs and risk and profit and how you compare to your competitors. That's important. Showed you how to close the loop and measure your profitability on jobs and people so you know if your pricing's right and so you can figure out where any profit is leaking out of your business. And I showed you how to go back and look at your system so you can fix those profit leaks and make more money. And I showed you, finally, what sort of help you can get so you can build this into your business and not try to do it yourself. And, of course, I mentioned that I can be part of that, part of helping you get control of your numbers, make more money, put those systems in place, put those people in place as you grow so you can grow a business that isn't just you, that has maybe a small team of people doing their jobs, right? that flows, does good work, even though it's not you doing all of it. Remember, you need two types of help. You need, to help to set, you need help to set this up, which might be me, and you need help to keep it going as a system in your business when I'm gone, because I should be gone at some point. Okay? The setup needs to be sustainable. So you have a choice. In a minute, I'm going to show you how you can take the next step in looking at business coaching. You don't have to commit right away. There's a bit of process first, but I'll show you the next step, right? How to book yourself into a 10-minute chat and then maybe a free strategy session with me, which is your sales meeting. I'll explain what that involves in a meeting. So you have a choice though, right? You can take this information I've given you today. You can go back to work and the busyness, and you can maybe implement some of what you learned. You can maybe jump online, download our big numbers tracker, spend $39, and start understanding your actual costs and tracking your profitability. You can maybe go and rethink your price book or your rates and start charging more. I recommend you do. You can maybe do all the stuff I've spoken about today and transform your business. Right? So you can DIY and do it. Or you can head back to work full of good intentions to do all that, but get dragged into some other shit and park it on the side for a bit, hoping you'll get to it later. And then it will gradually fade away because you never do. Right? And that's a real risk. That's the DIY and do nothing. Okay? But you go back to work with good intentions, but you never quite get to it. And you stay stuck here where you are now with your current business. Not necessarily the business you want, not necessarily the end of the world, but maybe not necessarily the business you want. And that's important, right? So maybe it's okay. Maybe you can keep going indefinitely. Maybe your margins aren't right. Maybe you're missing out on what could be. Maybe what could quite easily be. Which brings me, of course, to your third choice, which is to do it with my help. Let's talk about what could be. If you explore some business coaching, you could improve your margins. You could feel more confident in your pricing. You could make more profit, obviously. You could feel more confident when you're in front of your customers selling. 
You could have more cash around in the business and less stress about money. You could have everybody paid up to date, no juggle for cash. You could start putting structure and systems in place so your business can grow. And so everything doesn't have to be done by you. And you could get control of your business as well as your numbers and your working hours and turn it into something really good, something you're proud of, something that supports you and your life rather than tying you down and holding you back. You could build a beautiful thing. And we all want that, don't we? I'm on the same journey as you. I want to build a beautiful thing with my business too. So here's how I can help. I know what traders and builders need to do to improve their businesses. I've been coaching for 15 years. I've built my coaching program specifically for traders and builders. I don't coach anyone else. I'm quick at spotting the levers you need to pull to improve things. Right? And numbers are one of them. They're not the only one. I'll give you an hour free, okay? A strategy session. Next slide, John. Right? I'll give you a free one-hour strategy session on Zoom. I'll ask you a set of structured and systematized questions about your business, about what you want and what's going on now. And I'll use my framework, the one I explained, to make some suggestions about which of those levers you need to go and pull. It's called a strategy session for a reason, right? It's the first part of forming your strategy, the digging in and understanding part. If you work with me, it's the first thing we need to do. And if you don't work with me, it started you off with a bit of a plan. If I think we can work together, I'll tell you, and I'll invite you to decide whether you're joining me or not. And before we commit each other to a full hour, we'll do what I call a 10-minute chat. That's what my business coach calls a triage call. We see if we like each other. We see if we both think I can help you. We discuss the money and a bit more detail about the strategy session. And if we get through that, if we qualify each other, then we do the strategy session. If we don't think it's the right use of our time, we don't waste an hour. So the question is, do you want to book a 10-minute chat, right? Do you want to risk 10 minutes with me? I mostly keep them to 10 minutes. I don't always. So before you decide, I'm going to try and help you decide. Who's this for? Who does benefit from strategy sessions in business coaching? It's not for everybody. You need to do good work and operate with integrity or we won't work well together. You need to care about your work and your people and your customers and your business. You need to want to grow, right? You need to want to get to one, two, three or five million. You need to think I can probably help you and my framework can probably help you. No shit, I wrote in my script here. You need to be ready to start sort of soon or you should just wait. And you need to be coachable, right? You need to be ready to learn, ready to try things, ready to put some time and effort into this. So if that's what you, this is what you should do to book your 10-minute chat. Go to smallfish.com.au forward slash chat and pick a time. Right? It goes to a Go Once Hub page, which is one of those things that puts the time straight into my diary. So you can book yourself straight in for a 10-minute chat. I'll call you at the time. It's free of charge. There's no obligation. I'll explain my coaching program to you. I'll tell you how much it costs. I'll ask you if you're coachable, and I'll explain that framework again. Okay? I'll try and fit all that into 10 minutes. I'll ask you a bit about your business, and we'll decide together whether we should invest in a one-hour strategy session. 